For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. And here's your host. John Chapman. What is going on, faithful? Welcome to your daily 49ers podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, with the 49ers Rush Podcast. Love all the hashtag CCs for the countdown crew. Um, and this is Tuesday. Usually with Tuesdays, you see me with one of my besties, uh, the man himself, Wayne Breezy. And at this time, just want to let you guys know, he put this out there on, on Twitter, so I felt like it was okay to share. He had a family member pass, a stepfather. And so he's going to be with his family, which is most important today. And if nothing else, you know, we're going to have a great show here, no doubt about it. But just a reminder, this is a community first and foremost, and we love each other and love your families. Make sure you make them a priority over other things. And uh, we are with you, Wayne. Can't wait to have you back, brother. And I hope, um, yeah, just just want you to know that we're with you, man, uh, during this time. Now, all the hashtag CCs want to say thank you. The countdown crew, as we continue to build this show in this community, we got a lot of stuff going on because I had a full Niner show planned. Then the NFL announces uh, 173 Hall of Fame nominees. The Niners are the most represented team on that list. We got some Ayuk news. We lost a dear loved 49ers rush crush, uh, which hurt my feelings very, very bad. We'll detail into all that. But the entirety of this show. What is the state of the 49ers after two weeks? What do we know? What do we not know? What do we hope we know? Where are they in relation to the other NFL teams that are 2-0? Uh, one of nine teams that fit that. We're going to kind of diagram that. And got to give a shout out to the man, Judson. Judson Van became a new YouTube mentor, uh, member. Sorry about that. Thank you for supporting the show. Any way that you can help support us, we really do appreciate. We'll do this for a while. This is episode 958. Whoo! That's a big old number. Now, immediate 49ers news. Let's start off with the man himself, Brandon Ayuk, who continues just to ball out. Um, and, you know, he got back the CT scan results. It got injured on the very first drive of the game, came back in two or three times, and was just in and out, in and out, and out. CT scan came back. No muscle, I'm sorry, no bone cracks, whatever, in the shoulder, collarbone, all that stuff, which is the best news. And, you know, whenever one of the first things we would do before I ever did full pads and in the offseason, we repeated this phrase all the time as a coach. What is the difference between injured and being hurt? They're two different things. Injured means you cannot perform your job because your body will not allow you. Hurt and pain makes it uncomfortable to do your job, but you can still do it. And that seems to be where 
Brandon and I, you kiss. Now me, I'm sitting in this comfortable chair at home, chilling. Nobody's trying to rip my head off. Brandon Ayuk is going to have to figure out a balance, and he's the only one that can do this. Short week does not help to make sure you know you can play, and he's going to play. I really do believe Brandon Ayuk will be out there Thursday night, but will he receive a full target share? Probably not. Should he? Probably not. Now, if he goes out there and everything's feeling great, no worries. But, man, he got brought down on that same shoulder three separate times, and every single time after it happened, he was slower and slower to get up, and you could just see he was fighting through it. And so the warrior, the Frankenstein that has been created is awesome. But at the same time, he's got to figure out exactly what that pain tolerance is going to be. Good news is it's the Giants, and Giants are not a good football team. They're missing their best player, Saquon, which hurts. Um, Sonia, what's up? Did I see Bell come in for Ayuk on a few plays, mostly for blocking downfield? You sure as heck did. In my notes, Sonia, you are incredible. One of my favorite things about this is I have a whole section of today's show. The 49ers culture permeates. Ronnie Bell, you know, we do so much draft work here. If you're with us in the offseason, you're one of the, the ones that stick around with us the entirety of the offseason. You know we do so much draft work. I liked Ronnie Bell. I never saw Ronnie Bell have one of those all-out blocking games, it just didn't happen. Never did. He was soft blocker. He was not aggressive at all in any of that. But here we are two weeks in. This dude's running around like a Tasmanian devil, going hair on fire trying to get these blocks, and then that CMC run right up the middle. Man, Ronnie Bell was one of the ones that kind of put that on there. Yeah, he pancaked Witherspoon. Everybody pancaked Witherspoon, including our running back, wide receivers, Witherspoon's garbage, and that's exactly where he got put. He got put in the garbage can. So I love the fact that, you know, Ronnie Bell was there and putting out that effort. One of my favorite clips from the offseason um, was from Eric Armstead, who is the blueprint of the defense. You heard Steve Wilkes say, here is him talking about the culture of the Niners and just how it's just people are being brought into this, and I love it. I don't know if it's unusual. You know, I've been here, you know, eight years. Uh, so I've seen the, the culture and the, that um, you know, Kyle and John have built here, and uh, I think it's I think it's been like this for a while. Um, you know, we love playing with one another. We have a lot of fun. Um, everybody's happy for each other's success, and you know, we really don't bring in a lot of guys who uh, who you know are the opposite of that. You know, are self centered and um, you know more focused on themselves. And uh, you know, they do a great job of you know who they bring in and add to our culture each year. And, um, you know, the, the main guys who have been here kind of, you know, continue that culture um, each year. But, you know, I think it's not, it's not unusual because I've been, I've been here. I don't know what it's like other places. The longest tenured 49er, Eric Armstead. And so whenever you could bring somebody in like Ronnie Bell, who just didn't block well at the college level. Now here we are, his rookie rookie season getting Lots more snaps than we thought. Danny Gray was going to be that guy. He got injured. Ronnie Bell stepped in, and he's doing his job. Now, is he making plays with the receiver? That's going to come. But I think Kyle Shanahan has shown if you block as a wide receiver, you can get snaps. If you can only catch as a wide receiver and not block, you're not playing for us. So, like, you have to be able to block before you get any snaps whatsoever. No block, no rock, right? And so I love seeing the young pup get out there and establish that he belongs. 
Um, yeah, right there. Uh, Team Cali says Bell took out two defensive backs blocking for Debo too. Yeah, it was consistent. And, you know, blocking is about effort first and foremost and mindset second. Ronnie Bell's efforts level 100. Never saw that in college. So something changed, and I love to see it. You know, Danny Gray didn't get many snaps last year because Brandon Ayuk led the team, um, all the skill position players, in snaps last year. Ayuk was healthy the whole year. Now Ronnie Bell is the backup to Brandon Ayuk. You got Ray Ray's the backup to Debo, and Juwan Jennings just doing Juwan Jennings things. So it's interesting because if, and this is a big if, if Ayuk does miss time this, this week, with it being a short week, I don't think Jawan Jennings is going to take over that backup role. I think it's going to continue to be Ronnie Bell who's been there. And I think they trust him because of what he does in the blocking game. So the shout out to Bell. Love that pick. Love that we were able to keep all of our, you know, draft picks this year. We didn't lose one. That's huge. But we did lose somebody that was near and dear to my heart um, this week. And this is this is part of being the Niners. Quantrez Knight. Um Got picked up on the roster by the Arizona Cardinals. I really felt like the Niners missed this one. I love the Niners, and I, I think that they should. I, I was preaching on the show, should have elevated Q Knight last week. You had the opportunity. Q Knight could have went to Arizona um, after the roster thing. They put in a waiver claim, but it wasn't a priority, so they claimed somebody over him. So Arizona's been wanting to get him. Arizona offered him a practice squad spot. He said, nope, I'm going back to the Niners. Niners had an opportunity, lost a DB. Could have elevated them. Niners didn't. They chose Trey Swelling, um, which shout out to Trey Swelling. Happy for him. But Niners lost this player. Uh, make no mistake. And whatever it is, they didn't like what he had to offer. They liked him, but not enough to give him the opportunity. Now he's going to get that opportunity. We're probably going to be playing against him next week. Um, <laughs> Kevin says, man, I thought of you instantly when I saw the Q Night news. You know, I had two prized undrafted free agents last year that I just fell absolutely in love with going through their film. Q Knight and Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason hit early. Um, Q Knight, I thought belonged. I really, really did. We missed it. This year, Deshaun Jameson was everything. Jack Coletto was everything. We lost out on Jameson. We still got Coletto on the, the practice squad, so we'll see what that looks like. But, you know, it just hurts because you, you invest so much time you know, we do full episodes on every player in the offseason, our countdown and all that stuff. You get to know these players. You go to training camp and you get the interactions and you see how he fits the team culture. Right? I just showed team culture. Quantrez Knight was perfect for that. But he's gone now. I was a big Trey Lance guy. He's gone now. So we, you know, you take it for what it is, but we're Niners first. That's who we are. Does it hurt a little bit? Yeah. Do I still love DeForest Buckner? You bet your ass I do. And, you know, I'm going to pull for those guys. I'm going to follow them, but uh, not when they're going against us and not any of those things. So I, I wish him the best, and I hope he gets it figured out because he's such a good dude, and he belongs in the NFL. But sadly for us at this time, there you go, Big Papa. We will miss him, but glad he's getting the money being on the 53. Man, I thank you, Big Papa. You know, we talk about the culture of the Niners. Big Papa, you fit the culture of this 49ers Rush podcast, man. Um, celebrate other successes is paramount and living a happy life. And so, yeah, it's not with us. That hurts. But uh, good luck to him. Uh, now, let's stick with a little bit of nostalgia before we move forward to the Niners 2023. The NFL just released 173 
of their Hall of Fame nominees for 2024. Niners are beyond represented. Good Lord. And I, I feel bad because I went through the list as fast as I could. It got announced maybe 30, 40 minutes before the show went live. And I was like, man, I want to make sure I get all the Niners. I'm sure I missed some. But here are all of the 49ers players. Now, some of them play for other teams, obviously. Uh, Jeff Garcia, number five, baby. He's the only quarterback that I saw on there. Ricky Running Waters, baby. Charlie Garner. Brian Westbrook. He got a couple. He got one year in with us. Anquan Bolden. I think eventually he's going to get in. Dana Stubblefield, I don't think has a chance with his off-the-field stuff. He's in prison now. Uh, Ted Washington, Navarro Bowman. Ah, love me some Navarro Bowman. Um, Ken Norton Jr., Takeo Spikes, Patrick Willis, Lee Woodall. We have, the 49ers have six linebackers up for the Hall of Fame at the same damn time. Six. This is the greatest linebacking tradition team franchise in the NFL, and it's not even close. It's not even close. And then on top of that, you look at what the 49ers have right now at linebacker. You got two top five guys out there. Greenlaw. Greenlaw playing. We all know Fred. He's the best in the business. And Fred Warner's on his way to not only being a Hall of Famer. You know, this was a question. I don't really want to dive super deep into it now. Fred Warner... You know, two more years like this, he's on par with Bowman and Willis. Uh, like, two more years, he's there. He's that damn good. That's crazy to think of, man. Uh, really, really love what we got going on here. But to have six linebackers up for the Hall of Fame from one team, whew. And you could say, well, Ken Norton Jr., you know, he was with the Cowboys. for, And he was. He was. And so that is a fair argument. But good Lord, he won a Super Bowl with us too, baby. Um Martin Hanks, the neck, Tim McDonald, David Akers, and Gary Anderson, who had a, a little bit of time with us. So that's incredible. You know, obviously the most obvious name on that list is Patrick Willis. And I get frustrated when Patrick Willis isn't in the Hall of Fame, and he should be. But again, you have to kind of step back and say, Patrick Willis has actively campaigned back-to-back -back years for other 49ers to get in ahead of him. That's just who Patrick Willis is. You cannot have a better human, a better player, a better representation of the culture of the 49ers. And he was around for some rough teams now. That dude elevated the team, stuck with the team, brought the team up. Incredible. I love that man. Uh, Patrick Willis. Mm. Love it, man. Hope he gets in this year. And, you know, I, I think it it hurt me when, you know, the, the Zach got in from the Dolphins. That hurt my feelings. Not that he didn't belong in because he did, the linebacker. I mean, he was awesome. Talk about ultimate, maximize your talent, linebacker, incredible. Texas Tech guy, though, so that kind of hurts. I'm not mad that he got in over him. Let me rephrase that. I'm not mad that he got into the Hall of Fame because he deserved it. If you put the careers of him and Patrick Willis next to each other, that's easy. It's just simple to me, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think there was ever a season where Willis was the number two linebacker to him. I think that's simple. But the Dolphins don't have the culture. They don't have that many players. And it does hurt. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know the number here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We got 17 of 173 players. We got 10% of the damn Hall of Fame are Niners. That hurts. It's awesome because of how awesome they are. But five are getting in. You got, you're dividing the vote. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's part of it. So, yeah, that, that, man, yeah, 17 of 173. That is just a trip, man. And, and yeah, these are the modern names, right? So I'm seeing some comments about Roger Craig. He doesn't go into the, he he's part of the senior list uh, because he's just a little bit older. So the modern ones, I think is you have to be in the past 20 years or so, something like that. I don't know the exact qualification. I can look it up, but he still has an opportunity to be a part of that. He missed out on that this year, but um, this is a whole nother, whole nother thing. These are the modern players. And you can tell by the names. These are recent guys. Now, before we jump forward um, with, you know, kind of what we got going on, I got to pump this up because it's a short week. It's a short week, guys. And we have our freaking tailgate in two days. It's Tuesday. We're recording this. We're partying Thursday. 49ers versus Giants, the home opener tailgate, ladies and gentlemen. Go get your tickets, 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. We're going to be over in the blue lot right next to the Democracy Way exit. So we're all the way up against the fence on Democracy Way, which is the road. And there's that exit point where they used to pick up the shuttles. They don't anymore for some strange reason. But we're right there. You'll see our flags. We'll be out there. You can come join us. It helps us to know. Um, if you buy tickets early so we can prepare the amount of food, drinks, beverages, giveaways, all that kind of stuff. We got TVs. We got music. We're going to be awesome. The wife's going to be out there. Trust me, you're going to have a good time. Uh, head over to 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. Get those tickets just so we can make sure. We've never left a party where we're running out of stuff. I have to have more. I did the first Costco run yesterday with the wifey. Spent well over a grand at Costco, which it was also I'm pushing around this giant cart with nothing but like liquor and beer and great food and all that stuff. And everybody I'm pa passing is making, con can I come party with you? Can I hang out with you? And I'm just like, heck yeah, I'm wearing my victory Monday Niners shirt. Let's go, baby. We, we were rallying the troops at Costco over in the East Bay. So anyway, get those ticket sales in if you're thinking of coming. Um, and it, we're going to be, all, it's going to be a good time. Really is. One of my favorite things, every single party we ever throw is the walk to the stadium together the communal feel and just it, it's man it's sacred I, I that's how i feel about it the community and the brothers the tradition the nostalgia the hope the football ah gonna get me going man i don't want to go on a rant right now i gotta calm down i gotta calm down um eric do hall of fame players choose a team to represent them in the hall of fame or they play with multiple teams counts for all of them. It's all done through the associated press, which I hate. Not that I hate the associated press. I hate the process. Um, and so there's about 40 different people in the room and each team has at least one representative in the AP. And that person has to make a stake for those players. So somebody like a Ken Norton, he'd probably reach out to the Dallas 
uh, person, and sometimes they'll get together, the Dallas and the 49ers guy. I think Mayoko's our guy. Um, and they make these claims, and they, they basically stand up and pound the table, old-school style. This is why Patrick Willis should be in. This is why Roger Craig should be This is why so-and-so should be in. Everybody does that. Once they're done, then they go through votes, and if you hit a certain percentage, you get in. That's the way it goes. So for some of these players that are multiple teams, yeah, you've got to go. And this is why Terrell Owens didn't necessarily get in because he burned every damn bridge on the on the first year. He burned every damn bridge with every single team he'd ever been on. And so whenever you got to have somebody stand up and stake their claim on you, everybody kind of shrugged their shoulders. And so it was like, man, nobody wants to argue and put their reputation up for what he did. Yeah, the playing's amazing, but likability matters. And there's a reason why all of these people that go on to broadcast careers or you know front office careers, they're the ones that are getting into the Hall of Fame over these other guys because it's recency bias, it's you know name recognition, it's popularity. It's what it is. We all went to high school. We know what it was, um, and we know what it isn't. So Willis is going to get in. Craig's, I don't know. I hope he deserves it. That's, I don't disagree with that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Now, Brian Trainwreck, what's up, man? He says, this is the second DC in a row that we see amazing defensive adjustments in the second half. Did we get lucky with back-to-back DCs, or is there another reason? Head coach input, whatever. So, you know, Robert Saul is incredible. And if he was our DC, I'd be happy. If Robert Sala was our head coach, I'd be happy. I prefer Shanahan, but I love Robert Sala that much. Robert, every single coach has a weakness. Every personality with football interacts well or interacts bad. Sala couldn't make second half adjustments to save his life. Couldn't do it. Wasn't his strength. In the three years we had him, he was awesome. He was great. He had the worst personnel of the three DCs we've mentioned. You know, Steve Wilkes currently, Ryan's, you know, last three years before that, Sala Sala had the least amount of talent around him, did a damn good job. Adjustments wasn't wasn't his thing, not his thing. Even now that he's with the Giants or with the Jets, he's not even coaching the defense. That's Albright, who's one of us so well, right? Another Niners guy. But, you know, Sala obviously brings in game plan. He brings in advice on the radio and all that stuff. That was not his game with second-half adjustments. I used to get so pissed off because teams playing the Niners would come out and not have to make offensive adjustments because we didn't make defensive adjustments. He believed in continuity and simplicity, and that's what it was. Ryans, as soon as he came in, you're talking week three, done. Done. He's fixing that stuff on the fly, and I love that because I think that's a a mark of a truly great coach. I mean, Sayla's good coach. I think D'Amico could be great. I think what we got now, great D.C. Wilkes, great D.C. And I kept putting out there over and over and over again. This first half is not good. You have to make adjustments, and the adjustments were made. You know, we finished the first half breakdown. That's loaded right now on the 49ersrush.com and our Patreon. Um, Second half, once I'm done with this video, I got a couple lunch meetings Got a couple things for the weekend to get ready. I'm going to record that later in this afternoon. The second half, that'll be up tonight. Special teams will have up tomorrow. Um, we got the John Wayne and Steph show tomorrow. Not sure Wayne will be there. Uh, I'll be live with Steph, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time tomorrow. So that's kind of what's scheduled there. Um, then I got to organize more stuff for the tailgate. So full days, short weeks are rough. But you are correct, Brian. 
we have Wilkes proved, man, you can change things up. And I absolutely, you go from the blitz rate, went through the roof the second half. You don't blitz Stafford. That's the rule. We didn't blitz him first half. Didn't work. What do you do? You got to change something up. And it worked. So, yeah, I think that's a great, great answer. Uh, a great question with an answer in there. Good job, Brian. Um, NFL power rankings. This is something I want to talk about. There are currently nine teams in the NFL with a 2-0 and record. There's nine teams with an 0-2 record. So you got the balance, and I think you got like 14 or so in the middle. Uh, my math might be off on that, but that's okay. Um, the 2-0 and teams. Obviously, the Niners are one of them. AFC only has two, the Dolphins and the Ravens. There are seven undefeated teams through two weeks. 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, Falcons, Saints, Bucks, uh, which is hilarious to me, but whatever. Some of those teams aren't as good as some of the other teams. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, but you win two games in the NFL back-to-back, that's worth something. Now, your opponents and all that stuff weighs into it, but the fact that right now, and I think this is important, seven teams in the NFC are undefeated. If the playoffs started today and you had one loss, you're not in. You're not in. Seven undefeated teams, That that's seven to two. And so, you know, the, the whole time this offseason and the past three years is AFC, AFC, AFC. That's what it is. That's where the strength is. Early on, not so much. Now, we'll see. It's probably going to level out a little bit as it goes on. But, you know, once you got a loss, you can't take that off the books. So there's seven NFC teams, you know, that are 2-0. and That might drop to four next week, which is still twice what the AFC has. So it's interesting because everybody was talking about how weak the NFC is, maybe to pay, play out that way. But, man, there's some talent there. Now, if we look at the 49ers opponents, the two teams we played, Steelers and the Rams, they're both 1-1. One and one. They both had a divisional win, and then they lost to us. And so I think that's huge. The Seahawks win was huge. Or sorry, the win against the Seahawks was huge for the Rams, and then the Steelers beat the Browns last night. Um, and with the Steelers winning last night, another thing came to a close. The 49ers' opponents losing the week after us started and ended with the 2022 season. 15 games in a row, a team lost the concurrent week the week afterwards after they played us. So we just beat them up. Now, Steelers edged one out last night. I think the Browns are a really bad team, and I think Deshaun Watson is a really bad person and a bad quarterback. And so I, I was happy about that. I wanted the Steelers to win. I actually like the Steelers. I love the way they run their stuff. Now, if we look at the schedule going forward, right, this is interesting to me. The 49ers play three 0-2 teams before our Week 9 bye week. So three of our six games, half of our next six games, are against 0-2 teams. Cardinals, terrible. Vikings, worst defense ever. Bengals, we'll see. You know, Burrow's hurt. Will he be back? I'm sure he will be by Week 8. We play them. We don't play them until October 29th. That's the... You know, Halloween weekend, that's when we play the Bengals. Uh, they're going to be fine. But playing the Cardinals and the Vikings, you got some easy games. Now, you've got two games against one and one teams. One of them this Thursday, the Giants, they're not good. They're a bad team, very well coached. But they were down 60 to nothing through six quarters of this season uh, playing the Cowboys and the Cardinals. So, like you say, oh, the Cowboys are just that good. Well, Cardinals aren't that good. And they were up 20, like 21 to nothing against, or I think it was 20 to nothing. So, 
at the half. So whatever. They're that damn bad. You've got one game against a 2-0 and team, and that's the Cowboys. That's going to be week five. Ooh. Might be the game of the year in the entire NFL, not just for the 49ers. Cowboys are dominating. 49ers are dominating um, outside of that first half um, last week. But still, you went on the road division opponent by the way you did dominating performance for sure. You do still have five 2-0 teams left on your schedule currently. Now, will they remain undefeated? No. But you only play one of those until uh, all the way through week 10. So, you know, the next one, you have the Cowboys at week five. Then you got Tampa at week 11. Tampa ain't going to be undefeated by that point. Uh, just not going to happen. Uh, that That's just not who they are. And that's okay. That's okay. Now, um, we will be posting our bets. Man, two huge weeks in a row. I have received so many emails and appreciate people trying to offer to send me more money. No, no, no. Don't send me money. Support the Patreon. Support the 49ersrush.com. If I make you money, just enjoy that. That's part of the process is us growing and you guys making money together. But please subscribe if you have it. And our bets this week, man, we got a lot of stuff going on. Aaron Rodgers' season is officially over, but yours has just begun with my bookie. NFL College Ball, brand new cash out system that gives you the best options to win all season long. You hit the first two legs of your parlay, guess what? You can cash out early, place another bet, or let it ride for a bigger payday. Join us the entire season at mybookie.ag, or you can scan the QR code right next to me. The link is in the description of this video and or podcast, however you're watching or listening. But right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code 49ers49ERS on your first deposit of 50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's 49ERS, that's the promo code, to claim your bonus now. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, and I mean anywhere. You can bet anywhere. I've lived in California for eight years. Bet anywhere. I mean it. Head over there with MyBookie. All right, now it's a short week, and so we're going to have a whole bunch of Niners bets, as we always do. We'll probably have, you know, kind of that 9 to 13 Niners prop bets and whatever else. Those will be released tomorrow, probably tomorrow evening, because uh, tomorrow's going to be a two-shower. It's going to be fun because we have our morning show with Steph and Wayne, hopefully, and then we'll do our entire preview, predictions, bets, all that stuff, scouting reports with Coach Cruz, who helps us out with that. That's going to be Wednesday just after noon. And then Thursday, you know, I I can't do a show Thursday with the party and all that stuff. I'll be spending all my energy uh, getting the people ready and food and all that stuff, drinks and whatever else. So that's what we got. There'll be all those bets will be posted over there. So stay tuned for those. We're going to make some more money this week. That's just the way we do things. Now, what I wanted to do next, and I love updating these things every week, is what are the updated 49ers ranks and where they are after two weeks, right? So we step back because right here we focus on the Niners all the time, and I love that. That's who we are. We're a 49ers show. But what are the 49ers in relation to everybody else? It's easy to say the 49ers are awesome. It's easy to say they're undefeated. But where exactly do they rank out of 32 teams? So keep in mind all these ranks are out of 32. Uh, so let's start with the offense. And again, let's do the top top ones first. They are number one in the NFL. They haven't thrown an interception yet, so they're first in interceptions. First in rushing touchdowns with four, averaging two a game. First in yards per rush. That is 
not normal. They're usually up there in rush yards, not yards per rush. They're usually efficient. They're usually not the best at yards per rush. This is a CMC effect. This is Jake Brindle stepping his game up. He's been awesome in the run game. George Kittle being absolutely out of his freaking mind blocking. Um, 5.6 yards per rush. That is stupid. Now, you could say, well, those two giant CMC runs kind of skewed things. Yes, they did. But same with every team. It all goes together. If the Niners can stay up there at yards per rush, you're talking, uh, you're the one seed. I guarantee it. Like, that's, if Shanahan can keep that, because usually Shanahan's a little lower on yards per rush because he runs so often. You keep that up there, your top three there, Niners blowing people out, period. First and fourth down percentage, only got it once, went for it once, so 100%. Shanahan did try to go for it again on fourth down, but then they reversed the IU catch, and so then he went with the field goal. But I'm telling you, Shanahan Onions, 2023, it's happening. Third in um, points scored 60. You averaged 30 points a game. You scored 30 points a game. Third in rush yards. Third in average start field position. We're starting at the 34.8, and all that has to do with is the turnovers. That's huge. Uh, defensive three and outs, getting stops on fourth down, which we'll talk about here in a second, things like that. Um, third in scoring per drive, 54 per, per, 54% of the time you score when your offense touches the ball. That's huge. So you're scoring every other time you touch the ball with just a little extra. Um, that is third best. Fifth in yards per pass, 7.1. That's a Shanahan staple. It's always above 6.7, which is always top 10. Six in turnovers. We've only lost one turnover. Seventh in total yards. Seventh in rush attempts. That's huge. Let's flip it. Go to the defensive side. Then we'll get to some more questions. Shout out to the man, Clayton. He is he's crushing it behind the scenes. The mad scientist. He's the best there is. Um, defensive ranks out at 32. Second with four interceptions. Second. Really, really high up there. But uh, Cowboys going ham over there. Um, second in rush attempts. There's only been 32 rush attempts against us. Because you're blowing people out. Teams have to pass at the end to try to catch up. That's happened both games now. Third in total points, only allowed 30. We're scoring 30 a game. We've given up 30 total. That's awesome. You're doubling up on them. That's a two-to-one point differential. That's scary. That is scary football. Third in rush yards allowed. Fourth in average start. They're starting on the 25.1. That's great. Nick Moody or Jake Moody didn't kick that ball out of the end zone. We might be even higher than that. Six in turnovers. We forced four, all interceptions. Six in yards per pass, 4.6. Seventh and fourth down percentage. We have stopped two out of five. That's pretty awesome. And so whenever we look at those things, just kind of, you know, we scoop back and we look at the NFL for what it is. The Niners at the top offensively, the Niners at the top defensively, period. That's all there is to it. You know, definitely top five offense, definitely a top five defense. You play that way, complimentary football, you're going to win some damn games. That's just the way the NFL works. And the NFL and the Niners just continue, continue, continue to do their thing. And I now I know somebody's like, oh, what about the second half? What about the first half? What about the first half? The adjustments are key. Listen to Fred Warner, Mr. Handsome himself, talking about the the adjustments they made. Um, I think overall just uh, kind of trying to get more stickier in coverage, trying to pressure uh, Stafford a little more. Um, 
tr I mean, trying to eliminate the run game. I feel like they in the first half that run game kept them ahead of the sticks a lot. They they were taking what we were giving them. You know, uh, we had to tighten things up in the back end and uh, try to make it a little bit a little bit harder on Stafford. And, and it showed. And I'll say this, you know, one of the things that kind of got me pretty bad was you see a quick out route. We're running cover three. We're running quarters. Cornerbacks have to back up in that scheme, and we break it down on our film. Hits just a real quick out. Right after that, we're pressing our corners. And so it's not like we just kept doing the same thing. That's not what it was. And the film showed, man, they're making adjustments. Just Stafford and McVay were in their bag the first half. Second half, they were not. Oh, we got a super chat. What's up, man? Uh, James Montgomery, thank you so much for your generosity. Appreciate that. He says, with the cap space we have, um, high percentage we make a trade or two before the deadline. You're the GM. What do you want? What do you think the Niners want? I think I would argue, this is going to probably come off conceited, but hey, let's just do it. I think I agree with what the Niners' philosophy is here. You keep that money in your back pocket as an ace in the hole. Ideally, you do not want to have to trade a bunch of assets to get players this year. You, that's not that's not what you want to do. You need to keep as many of those draft picks as possible to counterbalance the high cap hits that you're going to have with all these studs that you've signed. You still got to sign Brandon Ayuk. Now, if something goes bad, injury-wise, somebody doesn't show out, whatever else, then you can now go and grab somebody, trade somebody near the trade deadline. I don't think that the Niners are going to actively pursue anybody now unless somebody starts to sell cheap. That kind of is what the Niners do. So once some of these teams get kind of completely cleared out of the playoff picture and they're just in complete rebuild mode during the season, poach a player or two for a fifth, a sixth rounder, things like that, you know, and some expiring contracts, that's what I expect the Niners to do. I don't want to go ham for anybody out there right now. I, I really, really don't. Because I think the Niners got something really, really good going. Isaiah Oliver, he was awful. He was awful all training camp. He was awful all the preseason. He was awful week one. He was awful the first half of this game. Second half of the game, he just went out there and balled out. He was incredible. And so, I, I just, man, I, I don't even know if you win this game without Isaiah Oliver. So now I want to see. Ambry Thomas is injured. We got to see it. And, you know, you got one more corner injury. Now, corner's an issue. Because with Samuel Womack out, he's going on IR. I don't know about Ambry Thomas. You get Daryl Luter back week five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So if, if another corner injury happened, then I'm going after a corner. Right now, you just wait and see. Because whatever money you don't spend goes to the future. You don't lose it. It rolls over. And... You, you just keep pushing that forward to maintain the integrity of this team and keep all these stars together. Brandon Ayuk's not going anywhere, any of that stuff. Um, Niners Nation says, can Bradley Roby, Lyle Collins, and Jordan Willis uh, to fill positions depth for a cheaper than a trade? Those are all experienced vets that you got to pay top-tier money to. Probably doing one-year deals. And so, yes, you could bring all those guys in, and it would provide depth. Veteran depth, which is awesome and very valuable. But I mean, Lyle Collins ain't playing for less than five or six million a year. Roby's going to be two to three million a year. Um, like those guys cost money. And do you want any of them taking snaps over your current guys? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. 
McKivitz has done his job. You add the TJ Watt game, whatever, I get that. I'm not sure Lyle's going to be much better. So I want to stay with the stay the course until a red flag arises before the trade deadline, and then we could see. Now, if you get a great value deal and somebody comes calling like, man, we see you got all these picks. We just need picks, man. Now let's talk. Right now, nobody's doing that because even the 0-2 teams, the teams that suck in the NFL, I got the list up somewhere. Good Lord. Um, like, they're not done. The Patriots are 0-2. You think they're selling? No. Bengals, 0-2. No. Like, these teams are not selling. You got people like the Houston Texans. They're probably done. The Bears, they're probably already done. You know what I mean? Like, those type of teams. But they're not selling off cheap assets yet. You got to wait a little longer. Got to wait a little longer till it's 100% transparent. Um, so I, I don't think that's changing anytime soon. But Niners have room. They like what they have. And, yeah, so we lost a corner. You bring in a corner. I don't want to spend a lot of money. So if Roby wants to come in on a cheap deal, cool, let's keep him. But if not, we got Daryl Luter Jr. coming back in three weeks. I'm cool with that. We need somebody as a backup for sure. Now you lost Q Knight. Yeah, another one down, right? So we'll get there. But I want to listen to a quick clip. This is Kyle Shanahan talking about Isaiah Oliver, and I, I, I just think this is – so awesome. He was a stud today. I mean, just the, it always get, I got to watch the whole tape to get through all of it, but I know he made some huge plays. Um, he was drove them on an out of bounds route uh, when we were in quarters, which was good. The fourth and one was huge because um, that's a, so it's a Tampa two look, which um, he's walked on the slot and that's a far away from the B gap and he didn't hesitate, had a big time tackle and then him getting the pick. So especially with some of our DBs getting banged up throughout the game, um, those guys had to step it up because they were kind of all over the place and uh, he did a great job job at that and that's huge his first half was awful missed tackle on a player that was already on his knees um you know face mask free first down just off the line because his hands were wild you never put your hands up as a corner it was just a dumb move uh the touchdown run he sat there flat-footed for two seconds after the snap and never moved and it was just man i i walked away from that first half breakdown just like how the hell did this dude make so many big plays in the second half because that was trash, but he got thrown in there first half, flustered, flustered, terrible, played out of discipline, played lackadaisical, comes out second half. I don't know if the 49ers win that game without him. Like, that's how impactful he was. So maybe the switch was flipped, and maybe the pressure is relieved, and maybe now he can just go play with his hair on fire and just go make plays. I hope that's the case. I really, really do. Because with Womack out, I mean, Trey Swilling's the next guy up. He's the next guy up outside and inside. <laughs> That's not the vote of confidence that I think people want. It's not the vote of confidence that I think people want. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see kind of how that goes. Now, I went through, and again, something that I just want to constantly keep track of. PFF, I think, provides a good snapshot. It, it's it's that's what it is the top 49ers in the offense and defense after two games combined right so this isn't a per game whatever this is completed so the top offensive players none other than brandon Ayuk. he's got 91.4 grade that dude unbelievable trent williams second kittle third kittle's been kittle's been great i would like him to get some more targets and if Ayuk's dinged up kittle i think should get more targets but we'll see uh, CMC fourth, Debo fifth, Purdy fit, uh, Purdy's right behind that. 
And I just think Brock Purdy's been awesome. And I know everybody wants to talk about those overthrows and whatever else and blah, 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 blah. But the mindset that Brock Purdy has, it's not physical tools because he ain't got those. He doesn't have a strong arm. He's not big. He's not super fast. He's gritty as hell. He's shifty as hell. It's all up here. How calm, cool, collected he is. And this, and my, I can't believe I didn't play this the last episode where I had these clips. Brock Purdy talks about throwing, having a bad play and then coming out the next drive. This, like, if, man, if you're coaching kids or if your kids are just athletes, it doesn't matter if they're quarterbacks, basketball, volleyball, badminton, don't give a damn. And really life in and of itself. When you let one thing beat you twice, you lost. Don't do that. Here's Brock just talking about after something bad happens, how to respond. In the game, man, it's you know crucial to be able to move on and have a clean slate, clean state of mind. Obviously, yeah, learn and be like, if they give me that look again, I got to do this or that better. But um, to dwell on it and and to you know obviously live in the past and beat yourself up on it, then I feel like that can hinder your game moving forward. So it was a fine line. I feel like when the game ends, it's like yeah, be hard on yourself, learn from it. But right then and there in the moment, you gotta you know, find a way to move on and play a clean game. And yeah, I feel like that dude's talking to me, man, about my life. Like whenever things get bad and I get flustered and man, I got a little bit of a tipper sometimes that doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help anyone. Doesn't help me. Hurts me. Can you fix it right now? No. Move on. Move on. Clean slate. When can we address this? After the game and film room and in meetings, that's when you're hard on yourself. You don't let one play beat you twice. And it's funny because you watch him play against Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford goes out there the first half, smiling, having a great time, calm, cool, collected, dumb face, just what he is, right? Then second half, gets hit a couple times. He's panicking. He can't wash the fact that he just got hit. So he goes into the third play, mad about the first play. And you see it on his face. That dude couldn't hide an expression to save his life. And so here on the other side of the game, you got this 23-year-old last pick of the draft kid who, guess what? He walks out every single freaking thing, calm, cool, collected face. You can't tell if it's fourth down, first down. They're up 20 points. They're down 20 points. Brock Purdy's Brock Purdy. He's the same damn dude. You can't measure that at the combine. But it shows because, yeah, bad pass, bad pass. He had several of them. There's no doubt about it. There were bad passes in the game. There were great passes in the game. And none of the bad passes led to turnovers. Matt Stafford's did. That's the difference with Brock. Will it continue? I sure as hell hope so. Is he going to throw an interception? Yeah, it's coming. Like, everybody throws interceptions. Uh, Jared Goff, another dumb-faced quarterback. Uh, baby giraffe uh, Jared Goff. He was about to break the record for all-time passes without an interception consecutive passes without an interception. And once he do, he throws one of the worst pick sixes we've seen this year. Interceptions happen. They're going to happen. But Brock having the calm, cool, collected mindset, that's pretty freaking awesome. That's awesome. Um, now, real quick, and then we're going to get to some questions from Clayton. Um, defensive top players through two weeks for the 49ers. Bosa's number one by a mile, 92.7. Unbelievable. Ken Law's number two, baby. Love to see Javon Kinlaw up there making him back. Drake Jackson, three. Hargrave, four. Givens, five. All defensive linemen. All of them. 
So everybody wants to talk about, man, defensive line's not doing its job. Calm down a little bit. Your top five players on defense, all D-linemen. All of them. Just doing a hell of a job out there. And, and Hargrave and Givens are both top five in pass rush win rate in the entire NFL. Both of them are. There are fourth and fifth best D-linemen. According to Pro Football Focus, trying to put things into perspective. So uh, let's get to a couple questions, comments, some different things that perhaps I missed. And I apologize. Let's get through some of these. Let's roll. Diego, he says, given us a short week, will we see more Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason, less CMC? Christian McCaffrey played 100% of the offensive snaps. He didn't come out for one damn play. Not one. He was out there the whole time. You understand why. Because even if CMC is running around, he's got two guys trailing him. And that was the number one primary focus for um, the Rams was to stop CMC. And when you do that, everybody else is open. Debo on the in-breaking routes, Kittle, Ayuk, all that stuff, Jennings, all that's open. So I get that. Shanahan admitted, can't do that. I've got to work Elijah Mitchell in there. Now, Elijah Mitchell sucked his first week. In fact, if you look at the PFS scores, I think he's the worst. Him and... um. Spencer Burford are the lowest graded players on our entire team, not just the offense, defense, and like they Elijah Mitchell is terrible. But he's coming off an injury. When is he not? And didn't look fresh week one. Didn't get any, he didn't get one snap, not even on special teams week two. Elijah Mitchell. I'm telling you all this right now. I'm betting the over. I am betting the over. I don't know where the over is going to be at tomorrow. I'm betting the over on Elijah Mitchell rush yards. Period. Now, it's going to be a low total. It's probably going to be like oh, 14, 15 yards, whatever. Elijah Mitchell is going to get five to six carries this game. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. So now before we get to some more questions real quick, I got to take a drink of water. But if you want to support the show, here you go, baby. I am so excited to announce our new platform launched, the49ersrush.com. We've been active on Patreon for years, and we're still going to keep that community going. But the49ersrush.com has everything Patreon offers and a bunch more. You want to watch player breakdowns? Guess what? You click that. It's filtered based on players. You want to see Javon Hargrave, what he brings, some CMC tape broken down, IU, Jair Brown. We've got hundreds and hundreds of tapes. on. Now, you want football 101. You want to learn scheme. Guess what? We've got every single offensive, defensive, special team snap. Head over to the49ersrush.com, sign up, join the community, and plus we got a seven-day free trial. So. All right, we're back, baby. Let's get to some more questions. All of those bets of the week are going to be up at those two places, the49ersrush.com and our Patreon. Mark, what's up, Mark? He says, is it me, or does Purdy seem to throw behind on crossing routes a lot? I think one of the things that Brock Purdy does well is anticipate safeties and linebackers because we play against a lot of zone, especially, I mean, you had the Steelers that played a lot more man than most teams. Then you play the Rams that are just zone all the damn time, it seems like. When you're running all these crossers and in-breaking routes and slants and whatever else, you have a sweet spot. And this is usually one of the stereotypical kind of, I, I don't know, negatives to a guy with a non-strong arm. They're going to be behind on crossers because you finally see – 
let's say the rule says if, if somebody's running a slant route, okay, so Debo's running a slant route. You snap the ball, you get to your read. You see Debo break in front of the corner. That's your rule based on what the linebacker's doing with the pre-snap motions. This is why Kyle does all the motions. You manipulate over the safety or you manip- manipulate over the linebacker to the where you're going to be targeting Debo to the right side. Once he breaks in front of the corner, you're taught throw ball, but you have to wait to see it because if he doesn't break inside, if he doesn't win that break, you don't throw that route. So if I'm Brock Purdy, set go, Debo breaks, now I throw. A lot of other routes, comeback routes, you know, Y leaks, whatever else, you can let go in anticipation. And a lot of the in-breaking routes he does and the out-breaking routes he does, but some of those timing crossers, mesh concepts, all that stuff, you got to kind of wait to see it, especially versus zone. And once you see it, then you throw it, the lack of arm strength is going to be a little bit slower getting there. And on top of that, one of the things that Brock does well is he doesn't put the ball in jeopardy. So if you have a safety screaming down or if you have a linebacker drifting over into his spot drop, you don't want to lead the guy into those guys. So it's okay throwing a little bit back shoulder goes against what you work on in passing drills and all that stuff, but the ball is not going to be put into jeopardy. That's where Jimmy G lacked. This is what he still hasn't figured out. Throw the throw it where the ball is going to be safe. And so, yeah, Debo has been working all offseason making those adjustments to the routes, and it's paid off dividends for this offense and for Debo. Debo ain't got a drop. He's making sensational catches. Uh, you know, you look at Juwan Jennings not getting targets, but whenever he does, he makes them count. Ayuk, Ayuk. You're going to keep having those, but I'm okay with it as long as he's doing it. And it, maybe I'm just, maybe he's just getting, you know, lucky all the time. But if Brock Purdy can make those throws and not put the ball in jeopardy with the safety coming or the linebacker dropping, that's great. It's difficult to catch for the wide receivers. Don't care. Don't care. Protect the damn ball first and foremost. You don't turn the ball over with this offense and this defense, you're going to win a lot of damn games. And I don't care if every game looks like the Rams game we just got through. You won. Why did you win? Zero turnovers to two turnovers. That's it. That's it. At the end of the day, you don't beat yourself. Don't beat yourself. Brock doesn't do that yet. And I think that's one of the special traits. Uh, Good question. Mark, thank you. Um, next up, we got always drip 805. What's up? Ooh, looking fresh. TJ Watt, four sacks, Bosa zero. We're talking about defensive player of the year. We can be critical about his play. He got paid. Yeah, is Bosa up there for defensive player of the year right now after two weeks? No. Is he top five? No. Is he top 10? No. Have these been bad performances? Also, no. And, you know, it, I understand fans wanting to get like, oh, Bosa should be defensive player of the year every year. That's not realistic. Um, the 49ers have only had three defensive players of the year, their entire franchise history, ever. Dana Stubblefield, Deion Sanders, Nicholas Bosa. That's it. So, like, to expect to be defensive player of the year or in the running all the time, yeah, he should be up there. Should he have more sacks? Sure. But a lot of it is, man, the Niners' defense is doing their damn job. And I care way more about us having a top-flight defense than I do him winning 
pass rush of the year. The sacks are going to come, guys. Sacks are the least predictable stat of any of anything for wide receivers, quarterbacks, whatever. The least. So many things are out of your control. There were three or four different plays where Nick Bosa got there in a second and a half. Didn't matter. Ball was out in one second. Bosa can't control that. Bosa can't control that. So, yeah, are there better players or people that have played better? Yeah, TJ Watt is on an unreal, unreal. Dude's scoring touchdowns out there. Michael Parsons, dude's balling out. Those are your 1A, one, one 1B one for player of the year. Is Bosa in that conversation? Not yet. It's been two weeks. We got to wait and see. Are there going to be games that TJ Watt doesn't get a sack? Yep. Are there going to be games where Micah Parsons doesn't get a sack? Yep. We'll see. You just got to wait and see and kind of see how it plays out. I, I'm not concerned about Nick Bosa. I, I'm not concerned at all. You watch the film. You see that that dude is special and just getting double teamed and triple teamed so often. Did he get some one-on-ones? He sure did. But he's making such a positive impact. Making stops on fourth down. Hey, I'm not even concerned. Two holding calls again. I'm not concerned. Whatever. Is he on that level of TJ Watt this year? No, he's not. Will he be? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, not a negative thing there. Um, what's up, Ons? I think I said that right. John, um, what <laughs> What was you doing at El Cerrito game? Uh, my son plays for that. Oh, my son's on the JV team, man. Uh, that's what's up. Yeah, my son, uh, he's, he's one of the players on the JV team. So, uh, yeah, we'll be there. As many El Cerrito games I can be. If you see me there, come say what's up, man. I'll be up there uh, chilling with the wifey and yelling bad things. I don't yell bad things. I just chill. I I, I calm down and clap. Uh, I'm pretty chill and content at high school games. So, yeah, man, you see me out there. Please come say what's up, man. I'd love to make your acquaintance. I would appreciate that very much. So, uh, Brian, what's up, man? He says, is there another game we might see the Niners D run the vaunted 5-2? I love the Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, Kinlaw, Farrell front. They did it the second drive. In the first half this game, they did it the second half first drive against the Steelers. So we've seen it twice. The 5-2 front, I like it. But, we, yeah, I, I do like it. And I want to see more of it. I think they're just kind of, let's just experiment. Let's just throw it out there. Let's see what happens. And they went out of it like after like two plays. You know what I mean? Like So it wasn't like they just stayed in it. It might have just been one play. They got like a stop in the run game, and then personnel shifted, and so then you went back to your base defense. But you're seeing it, and there's going to be some games where you're going to do it, and maybe you'll stay in that. I don't think that's this week against the Giants. I got to go through some more film, kind of see what their personnel tendencies are and things like that. I got a lot of work to do to figure those things out. But, yeah, it's fun out there, man. You're 5-2. You got those 5-D linemen with Greenlaw and Warner behind them. Whew. That is sweet action. And now that I think about it, it makes a little bit more sense because Ambry Thomas got hurt the last play of the first drive. Isaiah Oliver came in right after that. Hmm. And I think that the Rams personnel, they said, oh, we got Isaiah Oliver out there. He's put up some really bad film. Let's try to take advantage of it. Worked in the first half. Came back to bite him in the rear end second half. Good question. Good question. Um, there we go. He says, okay, I'm going to check them out this week. Definitely. Yeah, I'll be at the game this week. So, uh, yeah, you'll see me out there. Come say what's up, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Uh, that's right. El Cerrito, baby. Go Gauchos. Um, Mr. Ortega, he says, hate to say if the Rams had cup, we would have lost the game. 
Um, I don't know because at the end of the day, they couldn't stop us. I mean, Cup's unbelievable. There's no doubt. I'm not trying to belittle that or whatever. I like the adjustments that we made in the second half, offense and defensively. I think the better team won. And yeah, Shannon uh, McVeigh and Stafford diced them earlier. And yeah, you play that game 10 times, they might win three out of 10. Maybe. But they didn't. And they were at home. And they got credited one damn free touchdown with that Drake Greenlaw penalty. I went back and watched that. Not a penalty. Not even close. The other old lineman got his feet tangled up with Greenlaw. And Greenlaw was trying to get away. And the ref threw it as a horse crap call, man. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll play him again. Week 18 at Levi's. I'll be there, baby. Gregus. The 49ers will take an OT at pick 32. Good year for OTs in round one. I would love that. I would argue, one, if we're picking 32, that means we're in the Super Bowl. I picked up that little tip there. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it, me personally, that is the glaring position long-term, whether that's a right tackle or a left tackle. I hope Trent stays for as long as he wants. But eventually, you got to replace him. So we'll see what that looks like. Now, I'm losing my voice. I can feel it. I still got two more breakdowns to do. So I'm going to call this show. Got to say thank you to Clayton. You are the freaking man uh, helping this whole show go the way it is. Our executive producers, Timothy R., David G., Philip K., uh, Kilton Niner, and 49ers George. Sorry, 49ers George 365. You guys are the best. Um, lots more episodes coming your way. Appreciate you guys. Come tailgate with us, guys. 49ersRushRoadTrip.com. And until next time, stay strong, faithful. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.